0: Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. i stop. This is what you with this f***ing I've guessed it. i absolutely guessed it. I enjoy this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push and American View of F One. It is our podcast we love to do for you every week here during the race season. Formula One getting more and more intense, but you already have a champion crowned, Max Verstappen, over the weekend, crowned your champion in an unceremonious way by just finding himself six little points. That's all he needed to win the world championship. He did it in the sprint race, and uh, there you go. By finishing second in the sprint race. Oscar Piastri absolutely uh, showing that he is exactly what they thought he was going to be at McLaren. Thank heavens for Zach Brown and his team. Maybe for Lando. I don't know if he loves having a teammate that's outperforming him uh, to a little bit of an extent. But, you know, it's all the things we want to talk about. And, of course, always joining me here on the program, Dan Jimenez, my co-host of the show. What's up, Dan?
1: Uh, just recovering from a crazy race weekend. There's so much to talk about. (laughs) It was wild, but credit where credit is due to max on his third championship. And of course he had to win it in a weird way. That's just how he does it. And, uh, I, it, I, it was a little poetic that he won it the moment. Sergio wrecked like when Sergio (laughs) was out of the race, they're like, he wins.
0: Oh, well. And you know what? For once, that uh, the crash wasn't caused by Checo, so I thought that was nice. It wasn't. Like, I, I yeah. mean, like it would have been. It would have been fortuitous. It would have been very poetic for the rest of the season if Checo would have put it into the wall and taken out three or four other people. But instead, he was uh, the collateral damage in a in a crash and a bad weekend, of course, for him. But uh, Max Verstappen is your world champion. Let's just start there. What does a three time world champion mean in the world of F one? Like, where does that put Max? knowing that he still has probably his best racing ahead of him, even still.
1: Uh, he's already top five all time, I think. Uh, and he's just so young that he's on pace to be the best all time. You know, the the win count that he has, I think he's approaching Sebastian Vettel's total win count, which is crazy for how long Sebastian was dominant. Like Max, for as young as he is, uh, I mean, he's on a trajectory that, that uh, will put him at the very top. But you think about Lewis's seven championships, and I was a Schumacher that had seven championships as well. Um, yes, yeah. And so, you know, Max has got four more to go to tie those guys and five more to go to, to beat the record. That's, I think, puts into perspective how impressive those runs were from Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. But, I mean, undoubtedly, you know, top five all time, but on track to be number one.
0: Better than Alan Prost. Yeah. <laughs> Better than Sebastian Vettel. What about Vettel? He's got he's a four timer, also with Red Bull. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, we gotta we gotta talk through it. I think I had looked up a stat, or I'd seen a stat that how many had won three in a row, and I think there's maybe only four others that had won three in a in row. In a
0: row, yeah. I guess, so. yeah. And and Vettel was one of those. They won four, I think, in a row with him. Yeah, uh, Senna's another three time champ, and obviously uh, gone way before. Uh, his time obviously. Uh, but 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 when you talk about top three or four, people always say Schumacher, Hamilton, Senna. Um, periodically you'll hear like a Nicky Lauda, or me. You know, people throw in the Juan Manuel Fangio, you know, mm. side of things because yeah. you're like, yeah, he was the first and best, like real, you know, champion uh, in the early, 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 early days of F1. Uh, I don't know, maybe Sir Jackie Stewart, somebody along those lines. But really the top three or four names are always Schumacher, Hamilton, Senna. And I would I would imagine that Max Verstappen, it would be hard to leave him off once he – I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many you've got. There's so much that has to go into winning a championship, too. You have to have – you have to be a great racer, but you also have to have like an extremely good car. And mm-hmm. – In the cases of like, because George Russell, would he be a champion if he was in the Red Bull this year and Max was in the Mercedes this year? I don't, I mean, who's to say no? I don't, I don't know. That's the interesting thing about this rate, about this sport is, um, with all the guys who win the championships, there are guys in there that they go, remember when that guy won a championship? That was wild. You know, like, I can't believe. Uh, David Coulthard won a won a championship, or you know, Jensen Dam- Button, yeah, out Damon, of nowhere in two thousand nine. Damon, yeah. Damon Hill gets a gets a, a you know world championship, and then it's a one off, and they're and they're out. And most of the time, it has to deal with the fact that their car just suddenly gets eclipsed in uh in technical in the technical side of things. I don't know when that's going to stop for Red Bull, but people seem to be getting at least a little bit closer. That's that's for me something in the sport that signals uh, a next the next few years are going to be really, really good racing. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, Max said it in this post-race, but he had to push that whole race to stay in front of the McLarens. And I think there's an analysis that I think from like lap 19 onwards. So the last call it six, two thirds of the race, um, McLaren actually outpaced, uh, Max. Wow. So they had fast, they had a faster race pace. Now, There was the, you know, the fact that they were having to pit every 18 laps mandated by Pirelli, which we could get into all that, but that I think took away some of Red Bull's advantage where I think max really shines is just longevity. Like how he, how long he, uh, he can get performance out of the tires for and Pirelli kind of took that away when they said, you got to pit after 18 laps. And so it was just push, push, push for 18 laps in a row. And when it's straight up like that, the McLaren seems to be faster than even the Red Bull, which is pretty crazy. Um, to to see, and, you know, we'll see when we go into Austin if that holds. I doubt we'll have the same tire issues and, and the tire restrictions like we had in Qatar, but uh, they are definitely getting closer.
0: On a scale of one to Russia, how bad is this race? Uh, the the one that they had in, in, in Qatar over the weekend because I know that Max clinched there, but I don't look – I mean, there were so many issues. The tire mandates, what happened there – Drivers getting absolutely sick with how much they have to stop, how hot the whole thing was. This was a disaster from a organizer's perspective. What went wrong with this race?
1: Yeah. So the the LaSalle circuit, it, it was originally designed to be a MotoGP um, racetrack. And so it has a very different kind of layout than a lot of the tracks that we go to, it's just super high speed flowing. There just isn't a rest. You're like constantly under lateral G load. It feels like there's just one stretch along the front, along the pit straight. And then everything else is just constant turning. Um, so they did a, they resurfaced the track this year before this race and they put on a low grip surface, um, which is something new that I don't think we've seen at any other track. Um, and they also changed the curbs so the the curbing that is on the exit of all the corners which is meant to be used as a way to kind of uh give the driver a feel of where they are exiting the corner and kind of a place to aim for it's also used as the out of bounds so those curbs had took on a new design that we haven't had at any other track they're like the cross section of it is like a jagged pyramid yeah and instead of like a rumble or a sausage curve or something that's uh more curved right And so the pyramids uh, were just causing so much stress on the tires that after Saturday, Pirelli said they looked at the tires under a microscope and could see, you know, fractures, tears starting to happen in the tires. And so they didn't want to have an issue where, you know, a driver blows a tire going over the curb and, you know, gets hurt, which I understand for safety reasons. If you know that like a tire is going to be unsafe, then you got to do something about it. Now, the, the first attempt that they made at this is they, um, in turns 15 and 16, where people were going over and it was the worst, they like drew the track limit line in, uh, like three feet and that didn't seem to do enough. And so then before, right before the race, they said, okay, nobody can go longer than 18 laps on a tire and, you know, use tires. You had to take into account how many laps that they had already done and know they did that for the sake of safety but what it ended up causing the collateral like effect that they didn't anticipate was that it caused it to become like three sprint races in a row and everyone was going all out like qualifying push pace for 18 laps and then pit and then push and then pit uh, w- without that mandate, you know, going to the mediums of the hards, you stretch it out to 25, maybe 30 laps, then you actually can manage your pace. And so not only was it hot, you know, it was, uh, I think it was over a hundred degrees, even at night, the ambient air temperature is over a hundred degrees. And I saw some one driver cite it as 150 degrees inside of the cockpit. Yeah. 80, on...
0: 80 Celsius is what, uh, Ocon said he thought it was. Oh my gosh.
1: That's even higher. Yeah. So hot, high g load wherever you go um and there's just no relenting and then the the hot air spilling off the the cars in front of you it was it just was a terrible rest like a kind of a perfect storm of um uh a situation that was i think in the end a lot more dangerous than f1 realized it was so going to
0: be so esteban alcon was vomiting in his helmet on laps 15 16 and 17 according to him uh you saw of course, Logan Sargent said, "I'm like having a hard time staying conscious. Conscious, like
1: <laughs> yeah, he had he, he had a heat stroke. Yeah,
0: so he was having a real real problem. Alex Albon got treated for acute heat exposure. Uh, this is this is a nightmare scenario. And it, it, hearing Ocon describe it, you know, so so imagine going through this race, you are hotter than you've ever been." These cars don't do a great job of keeping the heat behind you anyway. Like the heat is just on top of you the whole race, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even if you are, you, I mean, these guys are almost passing out at 200 miles an hour down the straight. Uh, this could be, and then the tire situation on top of it, the time penalties that came from these ridiculous track limits, right? I mean, it oh was just gosh. an insane thing to watch. Just one person after the other, black and white flag, black and white flag, five-second penalty, 10-second penalty. I was so over it. Like, I had a really mm-hmm. hard time going, well, I don't want to have to do this math. Are these guys winning this race or not? Like, I don't have to think, oh, he's going to be, oh, well, actually, but he's going to have to serve a 10-second time, uh, time penalty. I, this was a disaster of a race. Despite that, Max wins. You have another you have another double podium finish for uh McLaren. These guys are on pace right now. i saw I saw actually a really cool uh, I thought, ooh, Dan would appreciate this because it was like, hey, here's what their points are right now. Here's where they would be if they kind of averaged out from the rest of the season what their point totals have been. Here's where they end up if they averaged the last six races. And McLaren will run down both Mercedes and Ferrari. And, of course, mm. Aston Martin, they would end up finishing second in the Constructors' title if they're able to keep this pace that they've had over the last six races. If, they, if they're if they able to keep the last two races, obviously, if, if they're the ones finishing right behind Max the rest of the way, they'll, they'll run away with the second-place finish. But what an insane year considering that nobody had them – everybody was just massively disappointed by, by McLaren. I'm like, I love Oscar Piastri, what he's brought to the sport – and I think Lando Norris is one of the better drivers and he's being pushed. I, they couldn't have asked for uh, a better situation for them to come into a fast car right now with uh, McLaren.
1: Yeah. They're probably the best driver pairing. Like if you're going to start a team today, those two together is I think the best pairing in, in formula one right now. And, uh, yeah, they're just so incredibly fast. It's uh it's gonna be really fun to see. And like the difference between finishing fifth and second in the constructor standings is like tens of millions of dollars. So this is meaningful money. It might be the difference between like being profitable on the air or not. Um, it's so yeah, this is a really big deal. And uh yeah, you know, it's cool to see uh Lando getting pushed by his teammate because it's been a while since you know, he wasn't the clear number one. And, you know, to hear when on the radio, they said, hey, just hold position. Don't race for second. And, you know, uh, a little bit of sassiness coming back from Lando, like, really? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, That it was it's great to to see that because I love seeing the competition between teammates on the same team. And I think uh, McLaren is just easy to cheer for right now.
0: Who is the biggest loser of the weekend? I think I know your answer, but I want to hear you say
1: it. I'm going to say Lance Stroll. Yeah. <laughs> My oh, favorite. Oh, man, Lance. Uh,
0: I don't know. I, listen, this happens in a lot of sports, high-level, high, high, high-level sports. But F1's unique in the sense that you have the person that's, I mean, the top, the pinnacle of the racing world is an F1 seat, right? And so to have that, but interestingly enough in other sports, the top, top, top elite of the most elite uh, are there on, like, it's a meritocracy, right? I mean, they have to absolutely earn that yeah, spot. Pretty, There's always yeah. the question with Lance of whether or not he deserves it, and he kind of has proven over the last, you know, twelve races that he doesn't deserve a seat. It seems like, but then it goes even further this week, shoving his trainer. Is what it looked like on video, although we didn't have like yep. anything conclusive, yep. but it does what it looked like. Uh, the after race interview that he had with Sky Sports when they were like, "Tell us what happened." And he's just cussing into it, and they're going, apologies for the language. I always love that from the Brits. <laughs> and and him just looking like an absolute giant silver spoon baby out there on mm-hmm. the on the racetrack. Like, I cannot imagine this will last much longer for Lance Stroll. He does not he does not seem like he's one good enough for the sport, or two, seem like that he even enjoys it. And then he even has to come out today and say, What a joke of a race that was. But but he's the joke of the racer. Like all these other guys <laughs> come on. Like I don't know. I don't know if uh, of all the guys who don't deserve a seat, you think about like your Liam Lawsons or your or your uh your Logan Sargent's where people are like, Yeah, they're, t- they're still too pretty young for this. I don't know if they're ready for it. This guy might lose his seat. Lance Stroll might be the least deserving guy right now on the grid.
1: Yeah, you know, you see in other sports where some, you know, of the pros kind of you, we witness them falling out of love with the sport that they're in. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Kyrie Irving or maybe Aaron Rodgers a little bit for a, a period there. You just don't feel like that their heart is really in it; they're not enjoying it. But in none of those cases, and like as a crew member tried to catch it, and it's like it sliding. looks like the FIA like, is going to oh, maybe yeah. penalize him for you know actions detrimental to F- the FIA.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw that, too. It was, like, sliding off of the edge of the thing, and the guy missed it. And he was like, oh, oh, okay, no, no problem. We don't need that. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I try to think of, of somebody in more disarray. Checo right now is, like, in not the good graces of his team. You know, it seems like it seems like when you talk about two separate sides of the garage, I can't think of a different place than Alonzo and Stroll. Uh, Checo and Verstappen, like, the, it just feels, like, very different – very weird vibes on two in the same garage on the two different sides uh i can't i can't imagine it being much different or much worse in in other teams maybe i'm missing that but i i don't know it seemed like such a weird thing on top of the fact that this racetrack just did not did all that it could to find itself into the worst host of the entire season just the weirdest weekend of the entire weekend of racing
1: yeah. I think that has potential of actually being a pretty entertaining race, but they got to move it later in the year, which next year it's on track to be like December 1st. Like the last race of the year next year is like December 8th or 9th. It's going to be weird watching F1 next to like my Christmas tree, but that's, that's <laughs> what's going to happen.
0: Though. I'll take it though.
1: Yeah. And so it's going to be later in the year, which maybe it's 10, 15 degrees cooler. And then Pirelli has to, I think, bring different tires and not mandate, you know, uh, some, you know, uh, restriction like that. And then they got to fix the curbs. I think if you do all that, it could be really exciting. I think it's a cool dynamic how like blows sand onto the dirt, onto the, <laughs> the track surface. And like, it just kind of makes it a bit like of a Mario Kart track. Um, so I think that it has potential to be a good race, but yeah, it was such a snafu this last weekend.
0: All right. From across the world of F1. Because there was the actual race part. The podium was uh, an interesting finish there. And you've got, you know, the, the constructor's title, of course, is going to Red Bull. The driver's title already went to max. So now what do you watch the rest of the season? Dan, like what's the thing that you look at and you go, oh, that's an exciting part of this?
1: Uh, I think uh, watching Lewis chase down Checo for second in the driver's standings. Uh, you know, I think Lewis has had an underrated year and if he can pull off second and pull that Mercedes in front of another Red Bull, I think that's a, that's a really big storyline. Uh, and then we, like we talked about just watching McLaren climb up the standings, uh, and see how many, you know, can they claim Aston Ferrari and Mercedes spot as a team? Those are kind of the two big ones I'm watching. And, um, you know, the development of Oscar Piastri and, and McLaren and how close they can get to Red Bull before the end of the year and hopefully win a race, you know, straight up on merit versus uh, uh, Max before the end of the year. Other news across
0: F1, what are we at right now? It's one thing to have an American driver on the grid and he's not performing very well, and I think that that's the person who probably loses their seat first uh, in the on the F1 grid just because – it's a brutal sport. And, you know, at some point that becomes the narrative and then just people accept it. So uh, what's the idea though, of an American team? How close are we? Did the Andretti situation work itself out? How close could they be to maybe adding another team onto the F1 grid?
1: We are getting much closer. We're halfway there. So Andretti got approved by the FIA to join the grid in 2025, I think. Um But there is another phase of the approval process, which is Formula One and all the teams have to agree to it. So the FIA as like a sporting regulation says, yes, they qualify. Now it's up to the teams to decide, do they really want to let um, Andretti in on only a $200 $200 million buy-in or are they going to change the rules on them and make it a a larger buy-in? I think that's the, the thing that we have to figure out. It sounds like folks like Williams and people kind of further down the stack are putting up the most fight over it because you know, that loss of share of winnings um, and like the revenues is probably going to hurt them the most. So I think there's still a six month battle in front of Andretti to get it, but it's, it's seeming like it's going to be a lot closer and, and, uh, and becoming a reality. And, uh, I think it's going to be super exciting to see, you know, you know, that that opens up two more grid spots. So perhaps Logan doesn't make it, you know, uh, much further, but could come back and be driving for an American team. Um, it'll be interesting where how they fill those the the driver's seat there, but we're we're halfway there.
0: Is it going to end up being that Andretti Cadillac uh duo that they'd kinda of planned for initially, or has that changed to anything else, or what do we know?
1: Still Andretti Cadillac. And it was interesting that James Val's quote about not wanting Andretti in the sport, they said, we don't have any problem with Cadillac. It's we don't want Andretti. And why? I'm just thinking, why did, 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 uh, did uh, not Mario, but um, uh, uh, Andretti the Younger, why can't I think of his first Ma- name? Uh, is it Michael? Michael, sorry. Yeah, 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 Michael Andretti. Did he make enemies when he raced his one season in the <laughs> 90s? You know, and it, I just, I don't know why they don't like the Andretti guys as much. Uh, but they seem to have no problem with Cadillac as a brand
0: Uh, I wonder if you know that is kind of interesting because uh, I mean this is this is a train you can't stop right this is Liberty Media is an American company that basic that runs all of the broadcast rights for the most important time of F1 history am I understating that by the way
1: no, oh, no, no, not understating it.
0: This is the most it's been viewed. This is the most popularity it's had. This is the m- So, not just adding American races, obviously the next natural draw is going to be in- to add an American team. And mm-hmm. if it, I'm telling you from an American standpoint, somebody who got into the sport, you know, in 2017-2018 like myself who who dove in uh, headfirst then, I look at it now and go, it's one thing to have a driver on there, but to actually because I've never looked at Haas and been like, that's an American team right there. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I maybe I've shorted it. But the reality is is an American team with an American name like Cadillac or Andretti attached to it, that I want to tune in. I want to see what that that livery looks like. I want to see what the driver lineup looks like. I want to see uh I mean, you don't think that they're going to show up and immediately start putting together a good-looking car? Like, heck no. I, who knows if they're going to be competitive or not? But who cares? You're going to have a lot of a lot of new, and that's what you want. And if the American team is struggling, do it like every other sport. Make sure that, hey, throw the money at it. Let's You'll get a lot of people, look, Shaq will show up and throw a couple hundred million dollars at it and go, <laughs> make this car a winner. I want to see that happen in this sport I think that's the next natural progression if you're going to get America involved in it to this degree you better get an American team or two in there
1: yeah I agree that Haas doesn't really feel like America's team they're they've got you know the uh, German or Austrian team principal they've got you know European drivers they've got an Italian engine with you know in Ferrari it's yeah they're based in Charlotte but they don't feel like America's team like they're not the Cowboys right. and I think we all want the Cowboys uh, to some degree. And Andretti, Cadillac, just super strong, you know, uh, American brand name. So uh, yeah, I think it's in everybody's interest. I, I, I think the only holdup is renegotiating the buy-in of $200 million. Interesting article I read today that um, Mercedes published their financials, Mercedes AMG. Mm-hmm. Um, they In 2022, their top line revenue was close to $500 million, and their operating profit um, was around $100 million. So you take the, you know, general multiple for a business like that, 10 to 15 times your operating profit, they're about a a billion and a half is what I would guess Mercedes AMG is um, Patronus is, is, uh, worth. And, you know, we had the, um, investment from like the Ryan, Reynolds group earlier this yeah, year in 600 Alpine, million, and right? that was, that was, that was like, yeah, somewhere is, is six, 700, 800 million. So I guess that would, that would make sense. You know, Mercedes maybe being twice as much as them there, I, 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 there might be an argument for Mercedes being the most valuable team in F1. Um, and anyways, so you look at that and you're like 200 million for ready to get in on this sport. And then all of a sudden be worth a billion dollars. Potentially, uh, the other teams want right. to see them pony up some more money, and I think, like you said, there are American backers that can do that. Yeah,
0: you got to look at it like it's a negotiation. They go, "We don't want you in the sport, especially at that price." And then you go, "Oh, okay. Well, then where are we going with this thing? Is it going to be five hundred million dollar buy-in? Obviously, when you ask it, uh, you know, a team to just basically get into the sport and then start spending a ton of money, and maybe, I mean, but what you're also talking about is is like, I mean, maybe it's not totally like this, but if they end up making around hundred million, if you're Mercedes, you're spending five hundred and you make six hundred. Like that's pretty thin though still, right? Like in the end, it looks like that's a lot of that's a lot of like having to work your tail off to, you know, uh see in some cases probably a return in the negative, especially if you're not in the in that in that uh you know, in that list of of teams that's any good. If you're at the bottom, you get less wind tunnel time or or whatever it is, you get uh, you know, or you get more wins all the time, but you you just you get, have less to operate with. I mean, these guys are it's it's going to be hard. So yeah, I get it. They're trying to they're trying to carve out their own, and I get that Williams doesn't want to share some uh, some profits with another you know lowly American team coming in. But I mean, look at it from the good of the sport. You have to look at it like this is the most eyeballs and the most operating budget we've ever had to work with, and it's all thanks to uh, you know Liberty Media. And let's get those. Ameri- I- I'll I'll take the. I'll I'll take the uh, credit for it. All these American viewers like myself <laughs> who finally getting involved, uh you're welcome. I'm like I mean I haven't bought a Mercedes AMG shirt yet, but you know, uh maybe I <laughs> yeah, will. Yeah, that uh,
1: that that Mercedes AMG article, this is the first time I've ever heard of a race team actually making money. Like I think like it racing is just a way to turn someone's personal wealth into heat Break dust and entropy like that's like <laughs> the business model like you don't make money you do it because of an ego um or because there's you're a huge you know fortune 100 conglomerate that just like right. wants to see your name on the side of a car right. but we, nobody makes money doing this right
0: they, they talk about the money like it's important to, to be in the top of this and there's like we would be doing this on the weekends anyway we would lose money on yeah. this stuff anyway just because it's cool uh all right well uh looking forward to the next races what do we have coming up what do we have to look forward to please tell me that we will not have a repeat of whatever happened uh the vomit comments that were there in uh in the f1 race over the weekend in in la sale
1: uh i think we have five super solid races we've got um usgp in austin mexico brazil all known quantities i love brazil that's one of my favorite uh races each year and then we've got the i guess the the third U S race in um, <laughs> Las Vegas. That's the wild card. And then Abu Dhabi to finish out. So I think four races that we know kind of what to expect. And then the um, Las Vegas GP, which who really knows? I haven't really ruled out yet. Still not going. Uh, to... I, I'm seeing more promotional, like, Hey, buy tickets. Like I, I got think one that this there's...
0: week. I got one this week, single day tickets now available. And I just am like, they are going to get to the point where they go, Hey, look, we didn't sell enough of these $2500 ones. We'll give you one for 300 bucks. That's what
1: I'm waiting for. Yeah, yep. If that happens, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> never, if, if they just do a last minute crash, I think we just play chicken and then the week of make a decision. Get
0: in the Tacoma and we'll haul our butts down there. It'll Head be down there. it'll be it'll be absolutely uh epic. All right. Dan Jimenez, as usual, my co-host here on uh Mo- on Mode Push. Tell your friends That you listen to an American-driven podcast about F1? And it's really weird, but you know what? We have a good time doing it. So, Dan, don't throw up in your your helmet this week, man.
1: (laughs) I'll try not to.
0: Okay. For Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie, we'll be back again next week. Uh, And just, look, download the podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. We'd love to get a review from you as well. Throw a five-star rating on there. Throw a review about how uh, sexy Dan's voice is, whatever you want it to be. We'll see you next time, everybody.